You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. All right. Welcome to another episode of Televised Heroics. We have, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's hitting sweeps right now for television. This is the last week, I believe, for sweeps. So there's a lot of big things happening in a lot of big episodes. Um, just, you know, just in general so far this year, how have you felt about uh, the, these shows, these, uh, televised, these uh, superhero TV shows? Daniel? Everything is definitely uh, picking up, getting a lot better. Um, except uh, I can't say much for Supergirl. Um, it has been pretty much entertaining, but I uh, still, you know, it's the first season, so it's still a baby show. Uh, so I'm just waiting for it to, you know, proceed along. See, okay, I'll say this: the first half of the first season of Flash, I wasn't really into anyway. Like I didn't, I wasn't as hyped up about it as everybody else was. I would say I watched it, but it was like. There's a lot of th- problems I had with it. Um, that's how exactly how I feel with Supergirl right now. I think it might end up. It might be that it's too early at the moment, but um, other than that, it's not really wowing me either. So, be you know, whoever's watching it, uh, give us you know, drop us a line, tell us what you think. Um, this is how I feel about it right now. I'm pretty sure it's going to get better, and I'll probably end up liking more stuff because. These guys, uh, these showrunners and executive producers are all, I think, doing a pretty good job and figured out what people want to see in their uh, superhero comic book shows. How do you feel? I agree. And uh, just the way how you felt about the uh, first half of the first season of The Flash, I mean, that's how I felt throughout the whole first season of Gotham. But Gotham has really, you know, pulled me back in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've really done the a good job of, of retooling the second season I think so uh, I, I can't uh, I mean I, I'm kind of still excited of seeing what's gonna happen with the rest of supergirl I just hope it, it gets better in my opinion right same here any um, news that you want to talk about any comic book TV show news you want do you want you you came across um just that uh, Norman Reedus uh, confirmed, well, he confirmed, quote unquote, that uh, the walkie talkie, spoiler alert, uh, what isn't Glenn. So don't have your hopes up. Yeah. Yeah, but she, that's that's also on his social media. And he, on his social media, he likes to mess with people. Like, he even posted a picture of himself saying, like, he was half, he was. Half horse. He was a centaur in the picture, and he said, "This is what I'm going to look like in tonight's episode." So, yeah, I don't know if Norman Reedus is the best uh, uh, source out there. Hey, I would have rolled with it if that happened. I'm like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right, he's a centaur. I got it. <laughs> uh, uh, the only news kind of stuff that I came across has to do with Supergirl. Um, they have released a picture of. What gem the Saturnian is going to look like? If you know 
the character. He kind of is. Uh, he's kind of like uh, Mar- the Martian Manhunter, uh, but from Saturn. Obviously, he has telepathic powers. He's very red. Ooh. Um, so yeah, that's what I think he could. Uh, I think it could be an interesting character. That I mean, obviously, this show is going to have to do a lot with aliens, right? All right, so yeah, that's uh, pretty much the only TV news that I came across this week. Um, Jessica Jones finally came out this this week on Netflix. Uh, I know you said you haven't got to watch any episodes yet. I just want to tell people that I am really enjoying it. I've I've watched a few. Uh, we're not going to talk about it in this episode, but we will get to it and make sure to keep an eye out for that uh, podcast. Oh, um, I forgot to mention. Uh, I guess uh, I did post this on our uh, geek elite page on facebook uh bd wong released uh a picture of him in costume or actually his hairdo and makeup uh for hugo strange on his instagram yes uh i did get to see that that looks pretty awesome um i think obviously he's giving us a few choices of what what could the character look like there's one that i think looks a lot like uh the picture that um that he chose from the comic book, and I wish I hope they go with that one because it looked really cool. Yeah, he looked identical with with that one that looked straight from the comics. So, yeah, that particular look from the comics. So, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what Doctor Hugo Strange has to do with the the people of uh, what was it called Red Hill Indian, Indian Hill. Hill. Oh man, that was probably a little racist. <laughs> I said Red Hill. Huh? <laughs> All right. Well, let's just get right into it then. Uh, up first, as always, is Gotham. So we, we are continuing with the rise of the villains. And I think a big part of this... You know, it's funny that these... The, I think this particular episode really can be split up into three parts very simply. It's it's uh, Nigma and Penguin, uh, Gordon and uh, the what's going on with him and his story, and then... The Bruce story. Those are the three parts of this episode. And they did a really good job of keeping them all separate and uh, not intertwining with each other. So, uh, which I guess, I guess which part was most com- compelling to you as a watcher? To me, to be completely honest, um, what really appealed to me the most was the Enigma and the Cobblepot relationship. Uh, you know what? I'm right there with you. That's what I thought was the most the the best part of this episode was the the stuff having to do with Nigma and Cobblepot, and you know, uh, Penguin basically is wanting to give up. He doesn't want to. He, his mother's dead, and he feels that there's no reason for him to go on as being a crime uh, crime boss. I mean, obviously, I I think uh, you know with a little bit of time, he would have been like, no, being a crime boss is what he needs to be, or it was what he was good at, or whatever. Or his even his ego would have got would have got the best of him eventually, but you see this little sliver sliver of uh, I want to give up this life, and Nigma basically uh, pulls him back in and, and shows him what you know Cobblepot probably would have found out for himself eventually that this is where he belongs. He is a killer, and Nigma is going crazy. So that's awesome too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved how he pulled that uh, that lackey. He was like, "Oh, this guy, you know, worked for Galavant. So here you go, brought you a present." <laughs> so true, so true. Uh, I I thought it was great. Like uh, 
the Riddler, basically Dr. Riddler in this episode, you know, <laughs> watching over uh, the penguins' wounds and helping them up and stuff. That was this is pretty good, uh, pretty good character development between the two of them. Definitely. Um, you know, I just didn't expect Nigma to ask for any advice from, uh, you know, from the penguin either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you caught this at the very beginning of the episode, you know, uh, I mean, you had to have, it's, it was right there in front of everybody, but the, the Joker laughs, the ha ha ha's graffitied on the wall. Yep. I love that mural. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely showing that, you know, Jerome made an impact on, on this city. Definitely. <laughs> and I'm glad that they're going on with that. That's pretty, it's it's good little things, little hidden gems, I guess you could say. Yes. What, um, so I guess at this point, would you say that not only did Tigress sustain in a wound, but do you think her pride is broken since, you know, she had to request a hitman? Uh, I think she's definitely affected by the fact that her brother is in jail and then that she was bested um, by Gordon. And obviously the obvious wound of being shot in the arm, she couldn't. She feels that she couldn't uh, do the job that needed to be done. So hiring a, or putting out a contract on Gordon would not have been satisfying for her. So I, I think it's funny that she ended up having to do it. She was kind of forced to do it. Right, exactly. I feel like a lot did happen on this episode. Definitely, again, uh, what stood out was the Enigma uh, penguin relationship that they're building up, and how Penguin just kept saying, "Like, no, I'm done with this. Leave me alone. I'm gonna leave." And he was never able to escape. It's true. And every, I mean, yeah. Every time he tried to get away, he would either collapse or Enigma would convince him to stay and. Like I said, yeah, that was a good part of the the story, a good part of the episode, because it really helped develop those two characters more uh, with, like, Nygma going further down the rabbit hole of his psychosis and uh, uh, Penguin having to come to to terms with his reality, his new reality. Definitely um, an ongoing trend right now is that every show is introducing new, new bonds. So in this show, we had the bonding with the Penguin and the Riddler. Then we had uh, the the bond with Chickless and with uh, with Gordon. I want to bring. I want to talk about that because uh, in later in the episode, you definitely see the Chick or uh, Barnes and and Gordon uh, strengthening their bond with, with with Barnes telling Gordon about his story uh, of of his uh, wartime story that he had to do with the insurgents and the kid that he ended up having to kill but earlier in the episode he sees uh gordon going over the line and and hang dangling that guy outside the the window you kind of get this idea that barnes is, is starting not to like gordon anymore like because when he first showed up he said gordon I've heard a lot about you i think you're going to be a great great cop and i i know you're by the book just like me but now he sees that he's not. So, uh, with what happened last episode of him disobeying orders, and then in this stuff, it could be uh, something else developing there. But as you said, they did strengthen their bond with their conversation later. So, I think it's interesting to to, to find out what happens with uh, Barnes later on in the show, especially with that femoral artery injury. Yeah, most people don't walk away from something like that, and he was bleeding quite a bit. 
You know, when he handed him uh, the whiskey, I thought he was going to pour it over the wound, but nope, just started drinking it. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to pour it over the wound, too. Uh, what'd you think of this Eduardo Flamingo character, which I had no idea actually existed in the comic books? Yeah. Created by Grant Morrison. Yeah, um, I just felt, obviously we're going to see him again. Uh, I just felt that his character was was building up the creep factor, but I felt like he was underutilized. Yes, I think he was definitely underutilized, and I think that's because they want to bring him back, use him later on in the episodes. But, man, he was creepy. I mean, uh, straight up killed that co- I mean, how many? How can you sit there and keep chewing on that lady's neck with all those cops beating <laughs> on you? That was crazy, right? Yeah. That's like, uh, that's like you know, they say you can't uh, a person can't bite through their own skin because there's a mental block that will keep you from doing that. Like, you couldn't bite through your hand or whatever. Um, but if you're if you're not mentally stable, you can do it. So I think that's, like, what they're trying to get at with that character. He, Even though he knew that if he would stop biting, they would stop hitting him, he didn't stop it because he wanted to eat, kill that person, kill the Officer Parks. Do you think that... Okay, even... Leslie even says it in the episode... She says, I'm not being jealous, I'm just worried about you. But do you really think that? Do you think there's any jealousy in in her actions and her concern over Barbara? You know, I want to say she's definitely has to be a little bit jealous, especially the way she reacted and was like, oh, I went to the hospital and visited her. Yeah, I mean, it it does seem kind of weird because even if he didn't, okay, I'm not saying that he does have feelings for Barbara, which he probably end up will because that's the way TV shows are written. Um, as an as the detective, he would still have to go check in on her to see if he can get more information from her. You know, yeah. So it was kind of weird for her to get upset about it. She doesn't know detective uh, protocol, I guess. I guess not working in a, working in a police precinct. <laughs> okay, so at the end of the episode. Tigress goes and visits Galavan in prison. Do they not know that Tigress should... I mean, shouldn't she also be wanted for crimes? Can she just walk into a prison and be like, I'm here to see my brother? Doesn't that seem weird? (laughs) Okay, you got a point. Actually, that's not what I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there probably was more to their conversation of what they were saying... But to me, I was just like, uh, I don't. I think people should be arresting her right now if she's in the middle of a prison. That is so true. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure the the mayor, at the very least, the mayor who told them that Theo Gallivan kidnapped him would have said, "Oh yes," and his sister also tortured me. <laughs> yeah, you would think. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, that's, I'm glad that wasn't just me. What did you have to say about their little conversation? I said, you should discuss your diabolical plot in federal prison or... Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, you don't usually want to... I mean, usually there's guards around, people listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so about that. I don't know. I, 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 maybe she got in sneakily, but it, for what it seemed like, the guard let her right in. <laughs> cameras yeah cameras maybe i don't know yeah i had a whole problem with that whole scene so 
the next part of that scene, though, is we see the father, whatever his name, the monk that's part of uh, Gallivan's plan, and all his other followers, and they are meeting up on a dock. I all I have to say is that is probably the dumbest cop or security guard ever. If I just walked up on a bunch of people wearing clo- like fucking ritual hoods, <laughs> I would not just like, hey, you guys need to get out of here. This is private property. I would have been like, hey, there's a cult meeting over there. I don't want to walk up on them. They might stab me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what they do. They all pull out knives and start stabbing him. <laughs> And the war two best security goes to the guy at the docks. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was. I had a problem with that scene too. So that was just weird. Going back a little bit, I the when the, all these different assassins were attacking uh, Gordon Barnes. Before you get to that point, there's the guy with the with the glasses attacks Gordon in, in the in the elevator. Seriously, these are like the worst assassins ever. Like they didn't like these hitmen were just terrible. I don't know. And also, Gordon picks up the dude's tool bag and starts punching the tool bag to punch the guy. Like I don't, I don't really think that's gonna hurt the guy any more or any less than you just punching him. <laughs> now, if he would have used the tools in the bag to hit the guy, I could, I could understand that. But like. Punching your hand into a wrench that's inside of a bag into another person's face is not going to hurt. I don't think. Yeah, it's going to cause you more damage than it is. The- <laughs> I, exactly. I think that's going to hurt you more than anything else. That's like putting someone behind a door and then punching the door to make them feel the punch. I don't know. It just seems stupid to me. All I got to say is, hmm, I wonder where they got the idea to have an elevator fight scene. <laughs> obviously captain america <laughs> <laughs> that's right in another life gordon might have been captain america <laughs> but yeah even though it all felt silly i want to say that all the fight scenes and all the gun scenes were really well choreographed this is true the for the, the for the most part the fight scenes and the gun scenes were were really well choreographed but but I'll have to say this, and we'll get into it later when we talk about Arrow. Not the best choreographed fight scenes I saw this week. So I'll give you that. Uh, keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, the last part of it, like you said, the last part of this this episode is the story that has to do with Bruce Bruce Wayne. Silver Saint Cloud shows up at Wayne Manor to talk to Bruce. Bruce wearing a black turtleneck, which I have to point out. <laughs> To make himself look more like uh, adult Bruce Wayne that we see in the in the movies, I think, or in the comic books, I thought that was his little black turtleneck was funny to me. Yeah. But uh, they're sitting there, and she's trying to be she's trying to be like, oh, I just hope you don't, you know, the stuff that's happening with my uncle doesn't make you think that I'm a bad person. Oh, we know you're a bad person. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. But I love the fact that Alfred was a step ahead of Bruce throughout the whole episode. Every time he tried to pull something, he knew. And he was... He knew to be there. Throwing a tantrum every time he got caught. <laughs> yeah. So the second time when he's trying to... You know, oh, Alfred, I think I'm just going to turn in early for the night. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, man, Bru- little Bruce Wayne is the worst liar in the world. <laughs> he is terrible at this. 
And Alfred's just like, yeah, I told that ta- cab down in the street to go ahead and go on home because there's no need that you wouldn't need it. It's a- and he just threw his tantrum. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Dangles the keys. Yeah, so, yeah, whatever it is that Bruce is trying to do, he's trying to get the information out of Galavan. I don't know how he plans on doing it, but uh, it, nothing was successful for him this episode. Nope. And basically, Alfred was like, well, you know, if you're going to be deceitful, I have to teach you how to do it. Yeah, so that's exactly what we need. We need, we need he needs to learn. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's what I want to hear. Unfortunately, I don't want to hear it in this Gotham. I, I just want to stick to the other parts of the show. I don't... This whole Bruce and Alfred stuff is, is kind of running thin on me right now. Well, I feel uh, they're... I feel like they've been getting better. Their scenes have been getting a lot better, I should say. It's true. They have been getting better. Selena uh, walks in and stops. Bruce is like, wait, she's bad news. You want to stay here and listen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because what did we learn last week? Love triangles. Love triangles. It's the best way to, to get your story to keep keep going. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I think that's all I have to say about this episode. I don't know about you. Yeah, pretty much got it all covered. Alright, so we're going to talk about Supergirl. When Supergirl... Okay, so to me, the, the notes I have, I Supergirl starts off... It starts off with Supergirl's at the DEO fighting this alien creature, and uh, why isn't Alex there? I mean, I understand she's at the apartment waiting for their mom to show up, but to me, it doesn't really make any sense if... If Supergirl's there, don't you think Alex should be there? Yeah, that's true. But maybe, you know, um, they captured the alien and she was like, hey, I'll take care of this. Go go wait for mom at the apartment. I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That was just a weird thing I had. So, okay. I mean, we don't need to go in the direct order of how the episode went. But this episode was all about introducing Livewire, uh, a character I remember from... The old Superman uh, animated series from the 90s, and uh, I've seen her in the comic books a couple of times. Still gets her powers the same way. Tra- transfer of power from superhero being to to her. She's a loudmouth radio personality, and uh, lightning strikes, in this case, Supergirl, which then transfers power over to Leslie Williams and makes her into uh, Livewire basically electrical based supervillain. when i was watching this episode i was like boy that escalated quickly <laughs> <laughs> uh, i think that would have to be the um the tagline for this episode <laughs> uh livewire is definitely a product of the 90s for me i mean in, it, it, uh, if you look at her look her up on wikipedia she's she's created in uh, i believe 94 uh she's this shock jock uh, hate everything, bash on everything else kind of uh, radio DJ that has her own talk show. So I thought it was kind of very weird to see her in this 2015 scenario without actually being updated. I feel like she could have been uh, a YouTube star or something, you know, instead of a radio DJ. Uh, it's just, I don't know. To me, it, it, it seemed out of place. Damn, that's a really good idea on YouTube broadcaster person. Uh, once again, there was another secret identity faux pas in this episode. 
when when Supergirl finally gets back to her apartment, she's talking to Alex, and uh, Mom knocks on the door, and Supergirl goes to answer the door in her costume. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Like I know she said she's probably like, oh, don't worry about it because she used her X ray vision to make sure there was no one outside the door. But what if someone came walking by just at that moment that she didn't see? You know, I don't know. To me, just you need to be more careful. <laughs> yeah, and Alex is like, shouldn't you change? No, it's mom. I'll be fine. Yeah, it's like it couldn't. Couldn't you have just like she could have changed just as quick <laughs> as saying that? Something that really bugged me about this episode was how the um, how she had to be reminded that she had super hearing. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it, it it was very weird. I, and, and what the, the the foster parents telling her don't don't use your super hearing. I don't want to. I don't want you listening in on this conversation. Uh, that was another thing. When she's a little kid, she takes young Alex on a on a fly. You know, like she takes her flying. Super Superman. That was his last power to to get was was being able to fly, and yet this little little girl has that ability already. And then in the very first episode, the pilot episode, she is having troubles flying. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, I, I guess they have the dialogue in that first episode saying, "Oh, I haven't flown in in so many years, probably like ten years or whatever." But still, you you I wouldn't think it'd be that difficult if she was doing it at a young age. Right, and I guess it also uh, when they're when they're getting scolded, I guess it goes pretty well when they're like, you know, she, you're still learning how to use your powers. You know, that could have been dangerous. True, very true. So I guess that goes hand in hand. O- overall, uh, I want to say even though the, the CGI worked really, really well for me, I really liked all the special effects in this episode. Um, I so I still want to say this episode was underwhelming and it felt kind of bland. It was. I mean, it was more of the the love triangle <laughs> right. between her, James, and I still don't remember what the other guy's name is. She even says it in the episode because she tells Cat Grant that uh, he's the the IT guy. I think it's like Will, maybe. I don't know. That's why. Like, that's why it's so bad. Like, his character is not getting any uh, development to the point where I want to remember who, what his name is. And it, 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 it makes me angry that I don't remember cause I have to talk about him and yet I don't know what his name is. So the, the two characters are fighting it out for Supergirl's affection. And obviously, uh, if you just go off of character development wise or character recognition, I'm going to remember James's name. I remember James's name better. So he's winning. Yeah. There was actually a theory. I then I uh, just skimmed through it. Didn't really read it. Uh, if I can find it, I'll post it online. But uh, they're saying how that IT guy that nobody can remember, how they're developing, maybe possibly be toy maker. Ooh. But, okay, that'd but, be weird. But then again, it's movie pilot, and you know their articles aren't <laughs> <They're> always. Little... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more uh, just uh, throwing things around instead of actual theories i guess you could say or research being done before they post their theories <laughs> uh how did you, okay so how did you feel about supergirl taking that um phone call during thanksgiving dinner just because it was from jimmy i felt like it was rude <laughs> yeah i mean i couldn't believe i mean i i get it she has a, a affection for this guy but come on who's gonna answer that phone call supergirl or i mean cara yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently. 
And then when it gets awkward at dinner with uh, Alex and um, Mrs. Danvers yelling at each other, and uh, the the other guy, I'm going to call him Will right now because I can't remember <laughs> what his name is. Will's like, oh, I guess I should leave then. I would have been like, fuck that. I'm eating this dinner. <laughs> There's food here. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'd been fucking awkward. <laughs> hey, hey, they made it awkward. They could leave. I'm getting food. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's an important meal for me. What? Is... <laughs> I mean, I guess they kind of correct that later with uh, Kara giving him some Tupperware of food uh, and and having to, uh, you know, say, oh, you, you can have this stuff. I think cat grant is kind of like batman because <laughs> everything's <laughs> called the cat something like the cat copter and cat co and uh you know probably the cat pages or something i don't know i just thought it was funny that she called it the cat copter i mean she's uh i, I want to say probably a millionaire so yeah she can name her equipment after herself <laughs> yeah she's probably up there in the multi-millionaire status so fair enough she can name it whatever she wants to name it are you happy Uh, that the tv screens behind her were displaying (laughs) different things now (laughs) they were but i'm pretty sure that the only reason they have that television wall is for this episode just so that livewire could get on there and have her face on all the as a very big person and i i like i saw that when i saw that in the episode and she's on the screens i was like oh this is the only reason why they have these stupid screws is probably for this episode right here. <laughs> uh, so what did you think about uh, Dr. Danvers at one point was working for the DEO? All I got to say is with that, uh, with that reveal, even though it's a little bit <laughs> underwhelming, I'm pretty sure that's how Hank, Shaw, uh, Hank Henshaw became Cyborg Superman. Probably. Uh, that's Whatever's going to be revealed is going to be that Hank Henshaw did something to... Or, Hank Henshaw did something with Dr. Van Danvers is why he's the way he is. Right. Any reasons why he's Cyborg Superman? Well, I guess we'll find out later, too. Yeah, I mean, I doubt they're going to go with the original reason, so we'll have to see. Uh, whatever is going to happen with the, with, the, with their father, the her, her father, Dr. Danvers, is going to be an important part of what, what happens next in the season. Right, and even with that big reveal, too, about, like, oh, by the way, uh, you know, your dad worked for the DEO, and Henshaw's the reason why he died. That was also kind of weak as well. Why is it that... Oh, and let, let's not forget to tell everybody, you know, it was pretty awesome to see Helen Slater make it back into the episode. The original Supergirl from the movie is playing uh, uh, Alex Danvers' mom and Kara Danvers' foster mom, so it was pretty awesome to see her in the episode again however in the first pilot episode uh we're told in the backstory that Kara was given to the danvers by uh superman to keep her protected and to raise her and help her grow into the woman that she is jeremiah danvers works for the deo why did superman just give her over to them what what are we trying to say here did he i mean he had to have known i mean how did he know the danvers he had to have known that Jeremiah Danvers, Dr. Danvers, worked for the DEO. Was he trying to keep an eye on her? Was he trying to keep a, you know, a military force, like, keep her in check? I think it was more how um, how Henshaw did tell uh, Mr. Danvers that basically, you know, 
Superman isn't going to willingly work for the DEO, so that's why we have to take, you know, Kara. So I think maybe it might have something to do with that. Maybe. I, I just don't know. I just think it's it's weird in retrospect to see that Superman dropped off Kara with these with, with, with the Danvers. I mean, he had to have known what uh, Dr. Danvers was into. Right. So, yeah. I mean, other than that, uh, this was kind of a lackluster episode. There's... Uh, there's a couple other things. Um, I thought at one point Livewire definitely looked like she definitely tried to pull off the whiplash uh, yes. effects with her lightning lightning attack, uh, which is funny because last week we said that the character that uh, the the Reactron looked like Whiplash, so it was funny that that would happen. Also, uh, James Olsen went to Ojai with Lucy Lane and. Uh, they said they're only a couple hours away. If I, I, I don't know if I'm correct or not, but I believe Ojai is in California. Does that mean National City is on the West Coast? Yeah, I, I caught that too, and they said it was wine country. So I guess uh, it has to be pretty close. And if it's just a few hours, yeah. So that was another, I don't know, weird thing to think about because usually you always associate Metropolis and Gotham with being East Coast cities and stuff. So. National City being on the West Coast, I guess the other side of America gets to have its superhero too. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where's Coast City? Isn't that on the on the West Side too? Co- yeah, Coast City's on the West Side. I think that's supposed to be like a basically either like a, a Seattle or a Los Angeles. I'm not sure which one. I think it's Seattle. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. But other than that, I don't really have much for this episode. That's what. Uh, just those those few things. Um, wasn't too exciting. No, like, like I said, I, Livewire as a as a villain doesn't really make sense. They came up with this whole Ghostbusters containment trap thing that they were going <laughs> to do, and she ends up not using it anyways. She just puts water on on her to stop her. And to me, that seems like that would be more dangerous for bystanders. Like <laughs> that's water. That's a very good conductor of electri- electricity that could have hit other people around. Kara herself would have gone shocked because that pipe was metal. Exactly. I mean, it, it didn't quite. I don't think it quite worked out the way that it was supposed to. But uh, Flash, then. Ooh, so much going on on Flash. <laughs> this was the return of Gorilla Grodd. We learned that uh, Gorilla Grodd looks at at Wells as a father. I, I mean, I wouldn't have figured that out from the the first episode. I mean, yeah, he ended up. Uh, the Wells from our world ended up using Grodd to fight Barry and stuff, but I, I don't know. The whole he looks at him as a father thing was kind of interesting. Maybe uh, when when he was still you know a normal ape, uh, maybe Wells was sort of kind to him and not evil. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what they were implying. Uh, and then we have Earth Two Wells putting on the suit to try and confu- confuse or trick Grodd and. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that Grodd's like, father doesn't ask. Father only tells. You're not father. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's an interesting little backstory to uh, Earth One, Harrison Wells, Thawne. You know? Yeah. An- another thing I that I just thought of right now, wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't well, do you think Earth One Wells and Earth Two Wells would have like a different scent? And maybe Grodd could have picked up on that too? Yeah, that definitely could have happened. I mean, I mean. They're two different personalities. They're gonna. They had two different mindsets. Uh, who's to say what it is that 
Wells uses for soap, you know, as a, or Earth 2 uses for soap as to Earth 1. It's, there's lots of things. So that could have definitely been it. However, he might have been masking it with the suit. Oh, that's true. Because that suit was wore by, worn by uh, Earth 1 uh, Wells. So this episode was very Caitlyn heavy also. Yes. Because uh, Caitlyn was the other person that was always nice to Grodd, and uh, he wanted her to basically make him smarter, smarter, or make other gorillas smarter. Yes, uh, this episode <clears throat> definitely felt very King Kong and uh, very Planet of the Apes like to me. You know, I didn't even put together the King Kong aspect. Yeah, he he grabs the girl and he 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 goes he goes and takes her ca- captive. I didn't even think about that. And he she was kind of the reason why. He ended up losing in the end, just like uh, uh, in King Kong. So that's that's pretty good, pretty good catch there. I didn't I didn't even put that together. Um, for some reason, there's a gorilla city in Earth Two, but not one in Earth One. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. There's this whole habitat in the middle of Africa that can uh, has a whole bunch of uh, apes and gorillas and stuff that were experimented on. In Earth Two, refugee refugee gorillas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was I thought that was kind of strange, and then they kind of touch on the idea that uh, there are uh, a whole bunch of breaches in Central City that go to different places all over the world in Earth Two. They don't really explain why. They just kind of were like, "We need to figure this out." Also, yep. it's like, "So okay, well, I guess that's." going to be something down the line for yeah, us. Yeah, Wells is like, eh, I'll look into it. <laughs> yeah. Kendra and Cisco, they go on their big date. Of course, Cisco uh, vibes on her and sees her in her hawk girl outfit, but he doesn't put that together. He thinks it's some dude in a, a wing outfit, and he freaks out and runs <laughs> away. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean... I'm just saying, if I was on the date, I wouldn't uh, run away. I would have been like, okay, that that uh, vision didn't seem like anybody was in peril. <laughs> I can finish out this date, and then we, I could talk to Barry and Caitlin later about it. And then he, he asked Caitlin, hey, have you heard of any metahumans that have hawk wings? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a very weird of him and then eventually he gets more of his vibe and he see, realizes that she's the one in the costume and it kind of kind of turns him on a little bit more <laughs> it seemed like <laughs> i gotta point something so, out man throughout this whole episode you know barry's feeling weak feeling down patty offers you know her companionship and he keeps denying it you've told everybody in the fucking world who you are why don't you just tell patty <laughs> It's true. It, it seems it seems so ridiculous when there's the one person in the whole episode that they interact with over and over, and he doesn't tell her the secret identity. However, if he were to tell her the secret identity, I would be complaining about that too. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but you're right. It's just it's a it's a story. It's a plot device that gets old real fast. And uh, and I already told you down the line what's going to happen in this season. She's going to find out on her own. And she's going to be like, I can't believe you were lying to me this whole time. And that's going to be at least four episodes of, of bull that we're going to have to put up with. Well, she seems to be pretty interested in metahumans, so she might actually embrace it and, you know, drop the subject. Yeah, but it, it was a metahuman that killed her her dad or whatever it was. So she's already going to have her hatred for metas. That's true. 
so yeah, you were talking about Barry is injured throughout this episode, and it's very reminiscent of uh, Spider-Man Two, if you remember, where Spider-Man uh, with Tobey Maguire he loses his powers, and it's all psychological. It's 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 his own barrier he's put it inside himself. Barry has put it in himself that he doesn't deserve to be a hero because he wasn't able to to defeat Zoom and. Uh, even though his body is healed up, he can't hit the fast speeds again. Right. And, you know, they bring in his dad, and his dad coaches him. His dad, yeah. Just basically, his dad gets in there, coaches him, breaks through that psychological barrier that's keeping him uh, down. I, I think they had to. I, I think I heard run Barry more times in this episode than I have in the rest of the season and the rest of first season one. Yep. <laughs> and he was really pushing him. He said it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, they were really pushing him. So, they, and it seemed like there was lots of ways to defeat Grodd in this episode. At the very end, he ends up uh, getting Grodd to go through the portal by punching him. He does he does his mile run and punch thing, where it's just like it seemed like there would have been a better way to do it without having to do that. But you know, leave it to them to 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 solve the problem the way they want to solve it. That could also have been really dangerous. Uh, Barry could have gone sucked up too. <laughs> Very true. He could have. So yeah. Uh, I, other than that, I don't think there was really much for this episode for me. Uh, Zoom wasn't involved, which I found weird, seeing as how he's such a big part of the last episode, or big part of the last part of the last episode. Um, obviously, they're ki- trying to they want to keep it up in wraps a little more of what of who he is. You know what he's going to do would probably be a big uh, fight scene coming up here in the next couple of weeks before their mid-season break yeah and i gotta say uh just two more things uh cisco uh, Cisco coaching wells was pretty funny and then turns out that uh that wells was actually pretty convincing as earth one wells that was a little a cute little moment where he's like you gotta be more creepy and uh have have more hatred or whatever (laughs) it is in your voice (laughs) that was pretty funny and then um, the the ba- basically Wells agreeing to make the ring for Barry to hide the costume in. Oh, that's true because we already know that uh, Reverse Flash had the had the ring, and uh, he, we saw it be used. So it's going to be interesting to see Barry actually have the ring to keep his uh, mask or his costume in. It's going to come in handy. Which, I actually, I always had a problem with in the comic books because, I mean, does no one ever notice that he has a ring on that, ha- that, that has a Flash symbol on it? <laughs> it's, oh, I'm a supporter of the Flash. Boom. <laughs> it, oh, it's just the support. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Where did you buy that? Can I buy one somewhere? Custom made. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, I think we're going to go on to Arrow then. Alrighty. Good lord, I have a lot of notes for this episode. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to do all, say all of them because you don't need to have long ass episodes like we've been having. But there was a lot to do. And the one thing I do have to say though, the directing in this episode was phenomenal. I don't usually talk about directing in TV episode, TV shows, but wow, I, it was so noticeable in this episode. I will give you that, and also. Um... I felt like uh, the character Damien, man, I, I actually felt him as a terrifying force for once. His performance uh, was, was right there. So true. He was he was a great villain in this episode. Uh, so, uh, once again, it was directed by James Banford, 
uh, he they the way they did the fight scenes. A lot of they tried to do continual shots as much as they could. They came in from different directions. You you got to see things that you don't usually see in these episodes. There was the time when um, you had Thea, Oliver, and Laurel standing on a roof ready to go into battle and Thea and, and Oliver shoot off in each direction using their arrows and uh, Laurel jumps from the roof to the ground and the camera follows her as she as she falls to the ground. I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Lots of good things. Uh, yes, Dan, Damien Dark was portrayed in a way that actually made him a lot more frightening than any anything else uh, than he had been in le- other previous episodes. He caught arrows in midair. He... Uh, fought people to standstills. It was it was pretty incredible. So the episode's called Brotherhood. So uh, like the running theme of this show so far, it's all about family. This time we're talking about Diggs' family, though. His brother, Andy, previously thought dead, um, killed by Deadshot, who was working for Hive, who was a part of uh, Damien Dark's organization. So there's all kinds of uh, connections around here just for this one character. What was it that they even buried in in Andy's grave if his body wasn't in there? They've never mentioned the fact that his body wasn't in there, you know? He was he's how did they know he was killed by by Deadshot if there was no body? God, that's a really good point. <laughs> Right? That's, I mean, the, the whole episode, I, I get what they're trying to do, but the whole episode to me just seemed un, like they didn't, they didn't really think about the repercussions from the story they've already told because for the longest time, I mean, how would you know that if there was no body, how do you know he's dead and not just missing? And which obviously he was, he was missing. He's part of Hive. Right. And 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 Dig is is constantly throughout the episode like he's not my brother anymore. He left his wife and my nephew to fend for themselves, so obviously he's not a good person. Uh, I don't care about saving him. And Oliver the whole time's like, no, he's your brother. You need to find out what happened. You need to you need to save him. And they keep trying to even even to the point where Dig doesn't want to save him anymore. Oliver and Thea and Laura go go to save Andy because they don't have enough numbers to take on. Damien Dark and the and the ghosts, but they had enough that they could probably ex- extract Andy. Right, and uh, doesn't Ray help him out as well? By the way, he was holding his own too with the fight fighting. That's true, and I have to say, between him and Laurel, they both seem to have gotten better with their fighting because they have notoriously been the ones that were terrible at the superheroing. <laughs> <laughs> Thea was another big part of this episode. She is having her bloodlust come back. Why is it that her character even carries a sword? You know that she has bloodlust. You know that she needs to kill people every once in a while. Why allow her to go out there with a sword? And it's not like she needs it for protection because she can, you know, handle her own on hand-to-hand combat. It's right. Hand-to-hand combat and and using her bow and stuff. It seemed like you're just asking for trouble letting her carry a sword. (laughs) To the point where she's fighting in, uh, when they go to extract Andy and Lance comes in and, uh, not Lance, I'm sorry, Damien Dark comes in and tries to use his power on her, which we've seen in the in the past where he's pulling life force out of them, and it doesn't work on her. Right. 
it actually backfires and, and hurts him. Right. It hurts him. And she said that it quenched her uh, bloodthirst after he got touched. That's what she said. Yeah. She said it, it, it quenched her blood, th- her bloodlust for ever so slightly, but it did. So I, I, that I'm happy to hear about this, uh, you know, see some development with, uh, what, what's going to happen between her character and his character and what's going to happen down the line with this bloodlust that we need to get over he, already. So, what, I mean, something that stood out is uh, when he saw Thea, he said, hello, Merida, and then went to go ahead and touch her. What the hell did that mean? I think it's a joke because I wrote that down, too. It's a joke because of the movie Brave, the cartoon, Brave, oh, okay. the Disney cartoon. Because she's a girl and she uses a bow. Ah, I get I don't. It. I don't know if they. I don't know if that's exactly what they were going for, but they. That's what they went with. And I was like, to me, I wrote it down. I said, Merida, are they allowed to do that? Because that's Marvel, DC. You know, Marvel's owned by Disney. This is a DC character. Can you say Merida? <laughs> are they allowed? Lance goes in to talk to Dark about. Uh, whatever it is that he needed to talk to. And dark says, I don't trust you anymore. You know, my people say that the reason that arrow was able to find, uh, Palmer is because you let them tail me or whatever. You helped them out. Captain Lance sees a piece of paper on the desk. It says they're going to be having a ritual at, at the docks on this certain night. And he goes and tells arrow. I was like, doesn't that trap, doesn't that seem like an obvious trap to you? He has a piece of paper. You happen to see this piece of paper. And if Arrow shows up, he's going to know that you told them because you're the only one. That's... Didn't he tell him, though? I don't think he told them because he, he, he sees the, – the camera obviously shows the piece of paper and that Lance looks at it. And then later on, he goes and talks to Oliver and he says, they're doing something at this dock at this time. Right. So you might want to be there. And it happens to be Slip 52. So – there's more of your 52s out there. In the flashback, what did you think of Oliver having to whip that guy? I could tell Oliver didn't want to do it. He was holding back. I, I, I'm more interested in what's going to happen with this Ryder character, or Strider, whatever his name is. Uh, who he's going to end up being, what, what's going to end up he's looking for. He Oliver in this flashback gets a map, gets a hold of a map. And he uh, tells Tiana that he's going to help her find something uh, on the map, but he needs another map. He needs a topo- topographical map or whatever. How come he didn't need that map to help John Constantine, though? He said, John Constantine pulls out the map. He says, oh, I know exactly where these things are. But now he has this other map, and he's like, oh, I have no idea. I need another map to figure this out. Maybe, maybe he does know the map, you know, but... Oh, he's like, okay, I'm taking Constantine in the middle of nowhere. What the hell? Is he going to kill me? And then, But then he obviously uses magic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the, the flashback scenes in this episode weren't so great for me. I didn't, I didn't understand what they were trying to do. They ended up making Vlad, the character that he killed in the last episode, be the brother of Tiana, the girl that he saved earlier in this season. Uh, where they're going to go with this, who knows. Um, I... I don't know. I don't. Those characters don't remind me of anybody in the comic books. I don't know if they are someone's that existed or they're going to be someone that I should know. But uh, yeah, I don't know about this. Um, Strider or Ryder. Uh, I don't know. I thought when he was questioning both Ollie and Conklin, I thought some magical stuff was going to happen when you know he 
he uh, when Conklin lied, but I guess not. Yeah, that was the way that he asked those questions too. Uh, it was very, very nicely worded so that it worked out for Ollie. Right. If there actually was some type of magic going on, I mean that guy, he didn't see nothing. Nothing was uh, shown that it was actual magic. The guy could have just been like, "You're lying," you know, just said it like that. It would have been, who knows? Do you think that the guy, Alex, that is um, the campaign manager, the fact that he's getting in cozy with Thea? Do you think he was sent by someone? Do you think he's a double agent? Most definitely. Most de- I, I got that I got that vibe from him today in this episode, especially when he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I should take this," and he, you know, took the phone call. Yeah, exactly. And then the random dude that just walks up and says, "Hey, you look like the kind of girl that says no but means yes." Like, <laughs> wow, that's very rapey of you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? She was just like, "Oh God, that with a line like that, I'm gonna go straight to bed with you." Basically, but call no, her a he, slut. He got his ass handed to him. Yeah, I mean that was a weird fucking line out of nowhere. Was it, and then he got his ass handed to yeah, him. Yeah, was that also the the child molester dude? No, it wasn't the same guy. Oh, okay. I thought it might have been. It was very a little confusing um, with her father Merlin showing up earlier in the episode and saying, "Hey, look, there's a child molester that doesn't live that far away. You can totally go and uh, take care of him and settle your." Uh, your bloodlust so but no that wasn't the same guy but he was trying to i get that. he was trying to turn her to dexter <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about that but yeah it's, he's gonna try and point her in the right direction to kill the right people do you think that maybe the alex guy is working for for um for i was gonna say galavan holy shit for damien you know i don't know he either works for damien or he works for for merlin he might he might be part of the league of assassins do you think so I maybe I I don't know it, it could it could go either way I just know that he's not working he's he's gonna end up being somebody else he's gonna there's gonna be some kind of double cross but why would why would um, Malcolm wanna hurt Thea again I don't think it's so much that he was he sent Alex to hurt Thea but he wants Alex to watch Thea and report back to him oh just to make sure that she's doing okay which would make sense because he's like i tried calling but you know you kept ignoring my calls so i thought i'd pay you a visit exactly but he could be working for damien dark too who who knows and uh, merlin knows about damien dark and damien dark knows about merlin so the fact that she went and told merlin what had happened to her when damien dark touched her uh could be interesting because you know uh as we learned in last season, Damien Dark used to be part of the League of Assassins. Yep. Do you find it funny that the whole reason why Oliver ran is started this running for for mayor thing is because the last two people that tried to run for mayor were or uh, became targets. The last three people that were mayor ended up getting killed, but yet no one has taken a, a shot at Oliver Oliver Queen yet as mayor. Like no one's tried to stop him no one's tried to kill him no nothing of that the whole reason was he said that oliver queen can run for mayor because the green arrow can take care of himself but no one's tried to kill oliver queen maybe because they see they don't take ollie seriously but he's running unopposed there's no one (laughs) to to oppose him so i mean yeah damian dark does show up in this episode to be like uh you should work with me because i have a real vision for this city and he doesn't know 
at that point that Oliver Queen and Damien Dark are the, or Oliver Queen and, and the Green Arrow are the same person. But by the end of the goddamn episode, he probably does because <laughs> Oliver Queen just break, basically comes right out and says, uh, I'm going to stop you in the light of day, Damien Dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also looked at Thea. So by looking at Thea, then going back to Wally, I think he put two and two together. That's true, but Thea, I mean, Thea has a mask on. I mean, you could say that keeps her identity. She doesn't, He doesn't know that she's Thea Queen. He just knows that she's Merida. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other thing I thought was funny the, 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 his, uh, about his little speech there at the end, he says the bay is the heart of, or the middle of the city. He doesn't say the heart of the city. He says the middle of the city. Does that mean Star City is a big horseshoe with a, with a, with a, a bay right in the middle, like it's. It seems like a weird shape for the bay to be in the middle of the city. That and I mean they've shown the Star City map so many times before. I've never seen a giant U or a horseshoe <laughs> shaped city before. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I, the I, like if he would have said it's the heart of the city, I could be like, oh, okay. But he said the middle of the city, so it seemed weird. Basically, this episode for me was just all about the fight scenes, and I think they really decided to amp it up on this this uh, this one for that. And I was really impressed on what they did, uh, how they were able to show everybody working together. Uh, Dig got to have a little bit of character development when they finally see it. They do capture his brother and bring him back. He says he he he. Dig shows Andy the the file that they have on him and he says yeah it's all true uh, all of it is true so we're gonna have to see where that goes from here and also um i guess another reveal is they show how how damien gets his followers he makes them swallow a little pill which makes the mind control a lot easier right that is true that was part of it see okay one last thing diggle has to understand that that pill is what is what is making you know Andy act so strangely and doing things that he normally wouldn't do? Why couldn't Diggle accept that? I don't know. I, for whatever reason, he doesn't. He he really just has this thing that he hate where he does not like his brother, or he has this hatred for his brother for leaving uh, his wife and and nephew behind. It's not like it was his fault though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think you're gonna end up finding out that he wasn't a actual drug dealer that he was doing something undercover or whatever reason and it's just going to be uh it's just going to be that those drugs were affecting him the way that they were so we'll just have to wait i guess plot development i guess <laughs> yeah plot development plot device shield <laughs> i thought i actually did keep it down to two minutes last time apparently i kept it I, it was still five minutes long that i talked about shield. it didn't seem that long so i'm just I didn't seem that long, but uh, I guess we're switching it over to the five, the shield agents of shield five minute report. <laughs> <laughs> Ward is still is looking for the Von Strucker vault. This is the big development with this episode. He uh, has to. He's trying to find out where this great device that Hydra said they were hiding in that vault. Uh, Powers Booth is a character called Malik Gideon Malik. And we find out that Malik actually is the same character that was in the Avengers. That he he plays Powers Booth is playing the same character that he played in the Avengers. Coulson has definitely become 
more of a Nick Fury now. He's uh, he's lost a hand instead of an eye, but the way he treats people and the way that he uh, is going about being the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. is less Coulson and more Fury now, which I think is very interesting for his character. He has they, We get a little bit of a Coulson origin story in this episode, which is kind of cool. He, he explains that because... Uh, Roslyn is in his personal office and she sees all these artifacts from basically, you know, the 20s, early 19th or 20th century stuff. And he says, you know, I've always been a big fan of the golden age. And I, you know, that's obviously a a little Easter egg for comic book readers, you know, talking about golden ages. But he was a history major in college and S.H.I.E.L.D. recruited him right out of college because he inadvertently found out about S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, all their history and stuff. So that's pretty cool little Coulson origin story. I assume that they're probably going to have... They set that up in this episode. Later, later on episodes, we'll see uh, that story develop. Fitzsimmons, the character that the two characters that uh, people are watching throughout this, this season right now to see what happens with them. They finally, they finally share a kiss. You know, it's, uh, it's been coming for quite a while and they, they do it... <laughs> Simmons is very much uh, torn right now between the guy that helped her stay alive on this planet and the guy that saved her from this plant from the alien planet. So uh, she doesn't know where her heart lies right now, but she gets and she ends up getting really upset at Fitz for doing his best to try and save the other guy. We find out more that Malik is more in charge of the ATCU instead of. Rosalind is. She's in the dark about the the bad things that the ATCU are doing. They are not helping Inhumans, but they are trying to create more Inhumans. And the people that obviously that aren't don't have the Inhuman gene are being turned into stone and dust and being killed. So uh, they are doing some very bad things. And Rosalind didn't know, or at least that's what she's te- she's told Coulson. And Coulson believes her, so he the affection that he has for her is allowed to stay now as a story plot, and uh, we can see how that develops. This is the Mark Dacascos episode. He finally shows up. Uh, we talked about him before. I, I'm excited. I like him as an actor and as a martial artist. They gave him powers, though, which is so funny because he's already a, this great fighter, or at least a screen fighter, and they actually gave him these either telekinetic powers or maybe even magnetism powers, but he's able to move objects with his mind, and he picks up two guns with his mind and sh- uses those to shoot at the guy at uh, uh, Mockingbird and Hunter. And later on, he then uh, uses his mind to bring a metal bar towards him that he does his little spinny moves and uses to fight uh, Mockingbird, who uses has her own batons to fight with. So I thought it was funny that they gave him powers. There, if you remember from the earlier in the season, listeners, there was the monolith that sucked Simmons in and took her to the alien planet. It had a whole bunch of holes in it. We now found out why there were holes in it because the because Hydra actually cut out pieces of the monolith, and inside the von Strucker vault was a a miniature piece of the monolith. So we there are other portals to this planet, and that's the big thing that Fitz is trying to find out. He's trying to find other portals. To the planet so that he can save Will, and that's where uh, he, they're going to do it because we saw Gideon or Malik show it to Ward that there are uh, pieces of the the monolith 
out there. Hydra is actually older than the Red Skull. We we assume because we saw in Captain America the First Avenger that the Red Skull created Hydra inside the Nazi party. But uh, what they have retroactively added to the story now is that Hydra is much older and their symbol is derived from other symbols and it's a secret or- secret uh, society that's been sending people to this far off planet because they originally sent a superpowered being to this planet that was too powerful and now they want to try and bring him back so that they can uh, follow in his uh, or by his side and rule over the earth so we'll have to see where that comes in and then I thought was a little funny story was because there's a, a part where there's a scene where Ward is talking to Garner who we know is an inhuman and by, goes by the name of Lash the two of them are, are having a discussion and they have never really met before, but they are Eskimo brothers because they both got it on with Agent May. <laughs> so it's gonna be it's a it's a little interesting dynamic, and basically Ward is getting it into Garner's brain that uh, maybe the people of Earth don't need to live. Uh, so we'll have to see where that goes. Uh, very, very good episode, in my opinion, so that's where I'll have to leave it with that. Nothing, no real theories that I have, no real, uh, uh, insights that I want to reveal at this moment, so. There you go, Daniel, and listeners, that's your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. five minute. Uh, I guess that, that would leave us with The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I, I would have to say this, this episode is, uh is the Daryl episode that lots of people were waiting for. They want to, you know, we haven't seen much of him this season yet. And he gets his own, kind of his own episode. Yeah, I mean, it's it's split between him and Abraham and uh, Sasha. Uh, a lot of Abraham having to deal with his own demons and the, you know, what's going on in his brain. But then there's also, um, it's another... It, but it really heavily features Daryl and what he has to do in this episode. Right. So it starts off with them just doing the normal routine, getting the zombies where they need to go. And then they... That's right. That's where we left them. And then they get ambushed. Uh, okay. So uh, who were they ambushed by? By, I want to say it's pretty much open. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to reveal it, but... I have a strong feeling that it's the saviors that that ambushed them. So that was very interesting. Is that they they took they went to great lengths in the episode later on when uh, Daryl is helping out these three people that kind of screwed him over earlier in the episode. But uh, they take great lengths to hide the foreheads and the faces of the people that are chasing them down. Right. That you never got to see if they had W's, which is who the big, you know, the wolves are the big baddie that we're dealing with right now. So I don't, either that's, they either they are saviors and they didn't want you to think that they were saviors. So they, they hid the fact that there were no W's or they were wolves and they just didn't want to show the W's for whatever reason. Well, um, so I want to say the Wade. Um, the guy that was talking, they never showed his face. So I have a theory about that. Uh, but Wade, I mean, he was carrying a gun, and it seemed like he had pepper spray. 
and his his clothes look pretty neat. So if you remember taking a look at the wolves, the wolves just look, you know, dirty, filthy. You're right. You're right. They they were very clean. They were uh, a group of people, and they in this this group who whoever Wade was a part of was very organized as well. Right. So remember how we were talking about a few weeks ago how uh, Garrett Dillahunt uh, was going to have a role in The Walking Dead. He kept teasing it on his Twitter and Facebook. Right. I have a feeling he might actually be playing Wade. So is Wade a character from no. the comic book? No. No. Okay. So he might be playing Wade, but he was doing a misdirect and, and trying to let people think that he was going to be playing Negan? Yes. Oh, very sneaky, Mr. Dillahunt. Very sneaky. And the producers probably told him to do the exact same thing. Yeah, no, I, I like it. Uh, it definitely could be. Uh, why? Well, I mean, why else would he have had the pictures of of bats and stuff? And I don't know. It, it, it's 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 fine with me. I, I I like him as an actor, so I can't wait to see him. But uh, I mean, I th- um, it was pretty ballsy of uh, Daryl to you know get save the group. Um, and then hide in the bushes, and then make noise uh, just for that walk, uh, just so that walker can snag that guy. So I had a problem with that part of the episode. I thought it was weird because so at this point Daryl has already left them behind, left this this other group behind, and uh, well, you know, let's go back some. These people have Daryl goes on his bike motorcycle, and he's gone through this little part of the city where. He was trying to hide, and him and, and, and Abraham and Sasha were in the car, and they get uh, ambushed by this, these, these people, whoever they are. Let's, let's go ahead and call them saviors right now. They're ambushed by the saviors, and he drives off into the woods. He falls over on his bike. He's obviously injured or hurt or whatever you want to call it. He's, he's tired, and he wakes up, and uh, what's the character's name that has him by gunpoint? Dude, I don't remember his name at all. <laughs> So the blonde-haired dude has him at gunpoint and says, uh, gives, get, takes all his stuff, has him tied up. He didn't kill Daryl. And he thinks that Daryl is part of the saviors. Him and the lady that he's with, the two girls that he's with. And the first thing the girl says to him is, we earned whatever we took. So you, you, can't, you can't try and come after us. Then they take... Daryl hostage and they're going to uh, find this Patty whatever that means because they said we need to find Patty we need to go find Patty right they tell them that they tell them that they they are the ones that are responsible for burning the woods right here and you see dead bodies everywhere there's uh, walkers that are that are charred up not even not even uh, like dead to the point where they're not moving anymore they're still moving but they're they're basically just burned skeletons yeah and Daryl finally gets the hand, upper hand on him, and uh, while they're looking into a looks like a contain a shipping yard with a bunch of walkers around, and he takes off. He gets his he gets his crossbow and takes off, but inside the bag that had his crossbow had insulin, and one of the girls is a uh, diabetic. You're right. So being the person that Daryl is, he goes back to give him the insulin, but. When he goes back is when the other saviors find the the three people, the, the two girls and the, and the guy. And he said, and she, they come rolling up and the girl yells out, we only stole what we earned or we earned whatever we stole. 
at that point, I thought that they were already given up. Like, like I thought the Wade and his people had already seen her, but he was. They were able to sneak away somehow. I, that's the part where I don't understand. How were they able to sneak away? Did Wade not see them? I don't know because I I thought they actually went in front of the trucks so and were like, okay, you know, take us. But then Daryl was like, no, follow me, follow me. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. <laughs> It was so, I don't know, it seemed very weird at that point. But yeah, you're right. Then that's when they're hiding behind a lean-to. Daryl ends up making noise for one of the people that's searching for them to come towards them. He Not not realizing there's a walker being trapped by a tree near that, near him. And he gets bit in the, in, the, in, the, in the hand. Yep. And he's like, I don't care. Just chop it off. That's right. They pulled a, a, a Herschel. I mean, Wade and his people are smart enough that they know cutting off... A limb in time could save him. Right. So, obviously, that was a smart, risky, but smart on uh, on Daryl's part because, obviously, if they had to amputate the hand or the arm, they would have to get, uh, you know, get him medical attention so he doesn't bleed out and die, become infected, all that good stuff. Another reason why I think um, they are saviors is because you know how she said we we took what we uh we took what we earned and it's like well you know you got to pay back all your gas and you got to pay all the resources that you guys stole so you know negan runs his community with a tight iron fist and they got to work for what you know for their meal they got to work for their water for their home for their shelter so i that's another reason why i believe that is negan negan's group the saviors Okay, very interesting. Like, and, and you know, I have no uh, prior knowledge from the comic book, so I, I accept what you say and <laughs> think that it's, uh, it's very good. It's very good reasoning behind it. Uh, so the other part of the, uh, so at one point they go, they make their way to a glass greenhouse where it had also been caught in the fire, and uh, the hot, fire was so hot it melted the glass and melted and, and basically the glass encased two people in on the floor of the of the of the greenhouse and of course the girl who's diabetic being stupid <laughs> just accidentally breaks it open falls on top of him and gets bit like after they went through all the trouble of getting her the insulin it's ridiculous but that leads them to the point where uh him and the blonde guy are digging graves for 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 her and the, and the other people and uh he asks him the three questions right we haven't heard since what season four, maybe. I think the last um, it was either Rick that asked asked that question to the crazy lady back in season four, or to, or when Daryl meets Bob. Okay, yeah. So so back then, yes. <laughs> yeah. So he says he. So his answers are he didn't. He hasn't killed any people. Uh, he's killed a lot of walkers. And why he hasn't killed any people or something like that, he says, oh, because we need to be able to hold on to something, right? Right. There's no going back if you kill a human. After you kill a person, yeah. And then right after that, what happens? He fucking betrays him, man. He betrays him. He steals his his crossbow and his motorcycle. Oh, man. I didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. That just disappointed me. Yeah, that was uh, it was. I you even saw it on Daryl's face when he heard the the gun cock back. He's like, "Damn it! I thought this was a. I thought it was gonna be okay." 
<laughs> so yeah, once again, we'll have to see where that story pans out. Uh, obviously, the way if it if it goes the way that the rest of the season is going, we might have a few episodes. Oh, uh, I forgot. He eventually finds a fuel truck, which is called Patty, and the fuel truck he uses to go get Abraham and Sasha. And finally, they get back into range with the uh, the walkie-talkie, and we hear the last glimpsing of uh, someone say, "I need help on the walkie-talkie." Right. <laughs> Most people, you know, on the internet would would have you believe that it's Glenn, uh, missed like we said earlier, Mister uh, Norman Reedus is <laughs> saying that it's not Glenn. Take that as you will, but we will have to see who it is eventually yeah we'll find out later this week who it is um i don't think it is glenn uh who do you think it is mitch i think it is glenn it sounded like glenn to me you but maybe that's just me hoping but you said you're not good with recognizing voices i, I did say <laughs> that i am not good at recognizing voices so like i said that might just be me hoping <laughs> oh um i did want to throw a little nerd fact out there um I've played so much Resident Evil in my life that whenever you find ammo for an RPG, that means you must prepare for an intense <laughs> boss fight. That's <laughs> right. So <laughs> we get to the other half of the story in this episode is Sasha and uh, Abraham. And they are holed up in a insurance, auto insurance uh, office building um, while they wait for Daryl to come find them. And... Sasha is trying to get to the bottom of Abraham's new way of looking at life, I guess you could say. And uh, he's kind of gone on the crazy side a little bit. And he says to her, you know, this is just the way that it's going to be now. And she's like, no, you need to get a hold of yourself. And uh, eventually he, he sees a military guy who's been impaled into, onto some metal onto the end of a bridge and he has an RBG strapped around his uh, his his shoulder. So he goes out there to try and grab the the RPG, and uh, he the he just can't get it. He can't get the guy off of there, and he can't get the RPG because of the way that he's dangling there. And he just gets frustrated. He gets to the point where he starts yelling at the zombie. And it's 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 kind of the point where you see that he's he's coming to terms with his uh, w- what's going on in his head, right? And then they drive home to point that because he sits back, he lights up a cigar, and he just watches the guy dangle there. And then the, as the guy dang- the, the walker dangles more and more, he keeps wiggling himself to the point where he keeps he's dangling to the point where he ends up. Uh, falling off. The RPG is still hanging there, so that he can uh, he can go over there and grab it. And it's it's kind of the look going in head first isn't always the way. Maybe sit back, be patient. That can that will work out better for you in the end. And it did. <laughs> and it did. In this in this case, it did. So it was it was all about it was about a lot about Abraham having to uh, figure out. Getting over the fact of, of the way that he was and what happened to him and then what he needs to get done. And then he goes and he tells Sasha that he has feelings for her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Sasha doesn't really know what to do with this uh, information. She's just like, uh, okay. How about we work on getting home first? 
All I gotta say is, uh, you know, taking your anger out on a couple of zombies um, after you lose your boyfriend. Um, she pulled a really good recovery. She was so grounded this whole episode. It's true. And I think we said this in earlier episodes. Only one person is allowed to be crazy at a time. So <laughs> <laughs> you have to get over it quick so that the next person can be crazy. And uh, before they went into the uh, auto insurance place, uh, did you notice that on the door they opened it said Dixon? She wrote that on there. Oh, she wrote that on yeah, there. Was, yeah, because she, uh, she, she says earlier in the episode, uh, if you want the best thing to do when you're trying to find a tracker is let them find you. So she steps in the mud to make make it obvious that her footprint is there, and then kind of gives a trail for him to follow. And eventually, she writes Dick. She's you can see her writing something on the door when she's talking to Abraham. So it's to, just basically to tell him, "Hey, we're in here." Ah, uh, okay. And that's what he did. And, uh, he eventually found them by following her trail and then finding the door. And then, um, do you think that? Okay, so that town that they were in. Do you think that's the town that Morgan was originally from? Or do you think that's where Glenn and the pet shop and everything happened with, you know, uh, Nick? Well, it can't be the town that Morgan's from because Morgan, uh, we're not in, we're not in uh, Georgia anymore. Or oh, the, that's right. The- right. So if anything, it could be the same town that Glenn is in or Glenn was in with the pet shop. But I don't think it is because I, you know, well, maybe that's just because I'm hoping that Glenn was the one that was on the the walkie-talkie. Uh, the walkie. <laughs> so, so on the other end of that that walkie, it's it's not Glenn, man. It's Nick. Nick ended up surviving. Boom. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that people can accept Glenn dying, but if they won't be able to accept Glenn dying and Nick surviving because Nick is the one that caused <laughs> Glenn to die. So he shot himself with a blank. As they were falling, he twisted Glenn, and so Glenn was on top. Yeah, Glenn got devoured. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. <laughs> that's that's not Nick. But hey, if it is, wow, they have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, once again, uh, a very good episode in this very good season so far. Um, how do you feel going into the last two episodes of the season or the last two episodes of the fall season? My body is not ready. <laughs> I don't think my heart is ready. I, I think uh, other than Glenn, there's going to be a, there's probably going to be at least one other major death. Uh, don't say that. And I can't but wait to find the walking out dead. It'll is. probably happen. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's uh we're good there for, for the walking dead. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? On that subject? Uh, uh, just that Norman Reedus said that um, what the rest of the sixth season has in store for Daryl is not good news, so... Ooh. And, you know, and that's the that's the blind spot for everybody. What happens with uh, Daryl? Because even if you're a comic book reader, Daryl doesn't exist there, so you don't know. You don't know. He could die at any moment. He could, he could turn on Rick. He could, anything could happen with his character. Right. No. (laughs) And he also offered his body to uh, Robert Kirkman to be written in the comics, but uh, Kirkman (laughs) kindly declined. Uh, Probably good at this point. (laughs) Keep the the two two worlds a little bit separate, and that way 
people can be surprised. Comic book readers can be surprised at what happens with Daryl. Right. Cool. Uh, listeners, what do you have to say about these episodes? I would really love to hear it. So, you know, get on there. Get on our Twitter. Get on our Facebook. Get on our website. Uh, we have plenty of ways for us to for you to get a hold of us. We've said it every week. At Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Geek Elite Radio on Facebook. GeekEliteRadio.com. Check us out on Stitcher. Uh, go ahead and download us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Televised Heroics at GeekEliteRadio.com if you want to send us an email. Any feedback or any theories would help us out a bunch as well. <laughs> I, I love going through theories. I love hearing what other people have to say. Uh, you know, Flash is a really big one right now. Who Who is Zoom? What, what's going on there? Arrow, who's the person that's in the in the grave? Walking Dead, who's going to be the next person to die? Who's going to meet the fate of Lucille in The Walking Dead? <laughs> who's going to meet the fate of Lucille? That's that's a big one. Will Supergirl get better? Come on. <laughs> Are you watching? So go ahead. If you want to get a hold of me on Twitter, it's at agent underscore of the underscore bat. And Daniel Barroso on Twitter, if you just search that. So until next time, this is Televised Heroics on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.